Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said, which we are recording live, motherfuckers. Uh, I have on the phone <laughs> Nat Moser, um, who is amazing and wonderful. Um, Natalie comes to us from California, and uh, she's been around for a number of years. I've known about her as uh, a photographer and a speaker and a writer and a yogi and I'm actually her Facebook friend, and I watched as she was diagnosed with cancer, and then her posts didn't turn, like, horribly sad or tragic or into photos of her just with an IV looking pathetic and sort of begging for help. Um, and I'd never seen anyone do that before. So I was like, well, if there's anyone who's going to talk about how bad times can turn you into a beam of light um, and talk to us about what can happen in the Trump administration, I thought she would be a good choice. So, hi. Hi, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, how would you My introduce pleasure. you? How would you introduce you and what you do in this world, aside from my very vague <laughs> rambling? <laughs> uh, no, you did pretty well. Um, you know, it's funny because I've done so many things in my life. Um, currently, you know, mom is one of the big things and wife, but um, yogi and yoga instructor, um, being able to lead other people um, kind of along, you know, in their days and little moments and big moments is a big part. You know, being a photographer is a big deal to me, too, being able to document people's stories. Um, I find that uh, I'm really a storyteller, um, and that's part of the way that I really approached uh, my cancer journey was to see it um, kind of daily as what what is the story um and you know how how does it all fit together sad so uh my first question i just sent her and a list of questions guys and the first question was in all caps how the fuck did you do cancer so beautifully um, <laughs> so that's you know a small question for you <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yes. No, I mean, you know, cancer sucks, first of all. And, and one of the things that's challenging is that, um, you know, my way of approaching things kind of innately is from an optimistic viewpoint. Um, and so moving through that space of cancer, recognizing that it's something that I would never, ever have imagined would happen to me. Um, I don't know how I could be imagine myself to be um, immune to it, but I was not. 
Um, but to to look at this space and go, okay, what am I going to do now? Uh, I have the choice on how I approach this journey. And for me, it was so important to really set my intention, and my yoga really helped me with that. I was able to really choose the words that I would use to move forward on that journey. And the first thing that I did when talking about it was say that I was going to move towards healing in lieu of trying to establish um, battleground. Um, for me, choosing those healing words contained so much energy. Um, and for me, moving in that um, in that healing direction in lieu of a fighting um, you know, lexicon. So that that's what was initially so important to me. Um, and then having all of my support structure around me um, was amazing. Um, but also, you know, ultimately understanding that what I initially saw to be horrendous and an awful situation ultimately proved to be an opportunity. And so my my goal was to keep reframing my situation in a way where I could find gratitude for what I had, try to see the opportunity in the challenges, and then try to take my people in with me along that journey, and then to really move forward with love and compassion for myself and for those around me. Um, and, and that's really ultimately what what worked for me um, with everything, especially, you know, my husband's mom um she died of pancreatic cancer when she was 39 my husband was 17 at the time um you know i initially was so upset that he had to deal with this type of thing again um and for my kids i was so upset that they were 5 and 7 at the time of my diagnosis that they were going to have to work through something like this which to me just seemed um you know i that's not what i wanted for their story um but you know, after a little while of processing through everything, I realized that um, perhaps we're all in training all the time for the arcs of our stories. And, you know, my husband was in training with his mom. Uh, I am now and have always been in training for this moment and who knows about for the next. My children are undergoing training right now with the situation where they're able to, through their suffering, develop compassion and um, who am I to know what the training is all for in the long run? And if we can keep seeing that, then uh, we can keep stepping forward with the idea that if we keep noticing, paying attention, having gratitude, that um, we're just getting ready to meet the thing that's put before us in the best way possible. Well, damn. Um, I hope I'm not talking too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're in training for the arcs of our stories. It's such a good, strong way to handle whatever comes, good or bad, uh, without making it good or bad. Just it's it's training for that. That's that this this is happening. Um, that's that's such a beautiful way to do it and to reframe absolutely all of it. You know, um, can I add one thing, Kristen? Um, because you know, went all through this cancer journey last year, and um, it's it's been quite a journey. And this last week, I actually had the opportunity to speak at an event with like 700 people talking again about um, my journey and how I was able to find um, kind of light in the cracks of the journey um, and allowing myself to highlight those cracks 
and um, finding the beauty in them allowed me to move forward. Well, I came home and then found out that my friend's, um, one of my best friend's daughters has uh, leukemia. She's seven. She was diagnosed this week. And it's my best friend's daughter. And it's my daughter's best friend as well. And um, in that moment again, I was like, what is this? And how can this be again, right? And then I'm, you know, kind of sat back down in my seat. And, you know, all the things that I put into these nice little boxes in the rearview mirror are now right in this moment again, as they are every day. Um, but again, I was, it was all reinforced that perhaps even all the things that my kids went through last year, which I thought we were, you know, through, were in fact moments of training to prepare them to deal with their friends' sickness and healing and to find a way to ultimately normalize our challenges, right? We don't want to normalize um, things to where they just, you know, oh, there we go again, but more so to realize that, that challenge and struggle is part of our lives, and as much as we want to protect each other from them, we can't. Um, one of the uh, philosophies that has helped me through all of this, too, was Thich Nhat Hanh's idea of the lotus flower growing in the mud, because without the mud, the, the lotus flower... Sorry. Without the mud, the lotus flower is unable to actually attach and to grow. We need the challenges in our lives to be able to to kind of dig in and reach up towards the light. Without those challenges, without that mud, we don't have that possibility. So it just really, even though it's muddy and dirty, it is also what leads to the beauty in life. Yeah. So how did you get to the place where, first off, seven-year-olds with leukemia, if that just never happened again, mm-hmm. I would be okay with those lotuses never blooming. <laughs> so would I. And that's, an, you know, that's another challenge, too, is, like, with all this, like, philosophical stuff, it's hard because sometimes things just suck, and you can't talk around that, and there's nothing that I can say to make that better. And uh, it's not okay. It, it makes me so sad. But still, even in those horrible moments, what are we going to do, right? How can we come together? Yeah, and what a what a beautiful ally for her to have on her side and you. Because mm-hmm. um, I imagine it's horrifying to have cancer as a seven year old, but at least I mean, at least she has you. And at least her daughter saw me go through everything, you know, losing my hair and seeing it grow back. There's so much symbolism in that to me. Um, and I don't know from a six- or seven-year-old's perspective if that all translates, but I feel like, you know, it's there, even if they can't completely um, conceptualize everything. It, it's all there. And I hope that she sees uh, the triumph in the the coming back, you know, and, and the hair being lost and it coming back and, and in me being able to smile through much of it, if not all of it. Yeah, um, that was you've done a remarkable job of that. Um, just just watching you from afar, I've been like, oh my god, she's doing this so well. She's she's got life figured out. It appears from afar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so so on an everyday level, um, how do you wake up and face the day in terms of routine and ritual? Kind of what what are the systems that keep you going? Yes. 
Um, well, the, the primary thing that I do before I wake up, or not before I wake up, before I get up, um, is I try to, before I reach for my phone, number one, because that's my, uh, my natural tendency, <laughs> is to want to grab it to find out what's going on. So I've tried to uh, mediate that by trying to think of at least three things every morning um, that I am grateful for. And I try to have them be things that were um, kind of, I, I hate to say fresh, but not just my, you know, obviously I'm thankful for my, my family and those things, but something more specific. I try to go through my day from the day before, uh, maybe a, like an interaction that happened or just anything that occurred and find three things that I'm grateful for. And I find that by doing that, number one, it kind of puts a pause on everything in my day. Um, it helps me rewire for the day ahead. And before I start looking at the news and, you know, people's uh, Facebook posts and, and various other things, I have already established and set an intention of gratitude for the day. And that really um, just for me has been amazing in, in really choosing to pause, find gratitude, and step forward with that. Yeah, letting gratitude frame your day is, is a pretty rad way to be. Yeah, uh, that's been you, the primary. Mm-hmm. That's, that's amazing, um, especially with what you're going through right now and what you have been through and, and all of it. Um, I've also noticed that you are doing a lot of, like, activist-y type things. Um, and I was wondering how you balance um, being grateful and being um, so calm and loving and kind and yogic to, to not have a better word for it. Um, fired up and on fire about all of the other things that are happening in the world that are by no means beautiful or helpful or lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that has been a very hard thing for me, uh, and also an amazing thing. It's, it's such a mixed bag. You know, on November 9th, uh, when I woke up, you know, I was devastated. And um, my children came in the room and asked me who won, and they were crying. And so that's where our family was on that day. Um, but stepping forward from there, um, from that pit of despair, which I felt, um, you know, I I did acknowledge actually t- with my community that I felt more despair on November 9th than I felt the whole year prior um, with my cancer journey, which was interesting to me to notice for myself yeah. because it was a little surprising to me. Um, that I felt that way, but it was true. And I think I shared that, and a lot of people, uh, I think, uh, maybe appreciated it but didn't understand that. Um, but one thing I noticed in my cancer journey was that, you know, I don't need to um, pretend or anything. I can just be honest in who I really am, and that's one of the gifts that I received. Um, and I can acknowledge my place in the family of things as someone who has a voice, and for those who want to listen, I want to share that voice. Um, and so with everything that happened, I felt um, a huge burst of energy amidst the despair. And um, I have also found that I really need to pay attention to where my energy is. And um, I, I sat in the car with my husband, and I was literally like, 
vibrating with energy. And I was like, there's a reason that I feel this way. And I don't know exactly what role I will play moving forward with all of this. But to me, uh, this situation in our country uh, is an opportunity to, um, you know, to stand up for what I believe in for my children. And one of the conversations that we had that morning um, as everybody was crying on November 9th was um, my children asked, you know, is, things about the wall and keeping out the bad people is what they heard some stories about and they were they were crying about that. And I let them know that all they needed to do, because I feel like my one of my big roles right now is in being their parent, all that they need to do was to continue to do what they were already doing and be kind and caring and compassionate and look out for those people that might not be taken care of and to take care of them and that they could leave everything else to mom and dad and that we live in a beautiful and amazing country where we have the opportunity to assemble, to stand up for our rights and to work together towards a more perfect union, that we would have the opportunity to protest if need be and that that wall would not be built. And if it was, that we would stand up in defense of all that we hold valuable and honorable in our country. And the sad thing was is that my son said, but what if you go to jail? And in that moment, let me tell you, (laughs) I've always been uh, the rule follower, uh, which is funny, uh, the straight-A student, the one that wants to do the right thing, and I still want to do the right thing. But what I realized in that moment was, when he said that was, I would be willing to do that. And it's not that I want to do that, but that it is I want to honor my children by standing up to do what is right. And if I feel very much so that I know what is right and if that is the consequence, that I want to model for my children doing the right thing. And then in the end, it is more important for them to have me as a parent who, of course, on a day-to-day basis with them, we talk about all of the things, but I want them to see me doing the things and standing up for the things that we share as our family values and, our, and for me, our country's values as well. And what has shifted in you from that point on November 9th that is almost purely despair until now, um, into February, Mm -hmm. like more than two weeks into Trump's office, so it feels like years, Um, (laughs) what changes played out in you? Well, I had to, uh, first things first, go from, like you mentioned, you know, being over the last year, I've kind of found myself in the role of being someone who's been inspiring to a lot of people. Um, being a yoga teacher, I find that my role tends to be, um, you know, more kind of in that um, category or box. And it's been interesting to acknowledge where uh, the, the loving, inspiring person um, can then have to move forward in uh, radical truth and uh, honesty love and what that looks like and it doesn't always look like prettiness and flowers Um, sometimes it looks like standing up uh, standing up for people standing up with people Um, you know I went to the women's march uh, here in Orange County which was one of the smaller ones but let me tell you when I showed up to be there uh, in unity with people who were standing up for all sorts of reasons that were some of the kindest people that I've ever been around um, to feel that energy 
uh, and love was something truly beautiful. So what I've tried to do um, from that space is to really identify my values. And one of those is to stand up in uh, education, information. So I know I have some more time than some of my friends and some other folks out there to um, to logically go through the news, let's say. So I go through, I, I read people's posts, I try to go and research and fact check and come into conversations um, from a place of um, thoughtfulness, uh, compassion, and truth. And um, I find that every time I try to do that, hopefully, um, even though I've been unfriended a number of times in the last few weeks, <laughs> I um, <laughs> can have enough people who will look at that and say, what is her intention? Uh, what is my intention? You know, maybe I should question something. I want people to move forward in curiosity. And my part of my goal is to help that help people come into that place where they can say, maybe I, I think a certain way, but let's, what if I thought about it a little differently? Or where am I getting my information from? I find that that's a real opportunity for me. Another one is to really encourage people to take a challenging moment like we're in and see the fracture in our country as an opportunity. And I really do believe that the crack is the place that the light gets in. We have an opportunity right now to engage, to pay more attention. I can tell you that before all of this happened, I honestly, I did not pay attention all the time to what was happening locally. And now I am trying to. It's still very overwhelming and we can't do everything. But what we can do is look, open our eyes, not pretend that things are not happening around us, um, really acknowledge our privilege and then step forward and keep taking the next best step forward. Um, and that's what I'm trying to encourage people to do. But one thing I know um, from my cancer journey is you can't pretend things away. You have to step forward into them. And you have to do so with vulnerability, with love and compassion, but with your truth. And if you dim your truth and don't walk forward acknowledging the reality of things, then we cannot evolve and step forward into a new and better landscape for our country. Yes, and pretending things away is um, is so much easier. And Obama, I think one of his gifts is that he just gave us the feeling that it was all handled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally, a hundred percent. I got this. Yeah, and you know we had the opportunity to go to Washington D.C in October with our family. And I'll, and I'll tell you, that was an inspiring journey because to be able to see Mount Vernon and to be able to go to the Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, uh, memorial and, um, you know, it, it was all, it made everything that much more real to see the Oval Office and to see those things are real. You know, we talk about them from afar but it helped to really kind of close that divide and make it that much more important for me to step forward right now and really encourage my, my fellow citizens to do the same. You know, I am only one, but collectively we can really make an impact. And that's not only with our government, but it's just with our day-to-day. -day. You know, every time that we step forward and we don't name-call each other and we try to have conversations 
where we are working towards trying to understand. We can continually build a bridge towards one another. And in moments, you know, it's, it's one block in the bridge after another, and there's going to be blocks that get pushed down, but we have an opportunity in every moment to keep trying. Yes. Yes, we do. We do. And it doesn't have to be all fear and anger and divisiveness and conquering. And um, I think that when you talked about moving towards healing in your cancer um, instead of fighting, but that's so helpful for framing what's happening in politics right now, is that if we can move toward healing instead of using that same language of fighting, we will have come so far so quickly uh, in terms of seeing the other side and engaging with them and engaging with everyone who's stuck in this country, whether we like it or not, because Canada's mm-hmm. not taking us right now. So <laughs> like we, You're right. Well. And I think we just really need to show up for each other in person, too. And I, I think that's another piece. And I'm fortunate to have my, you know, friends, obviously, but my yoga community and even showing up in local civic action, um, you know, in groups like that has really been a big deal for me right now and very important. Because when we show up in front of each other, we remember our humanity and that we are really people and not just words on a screen. Yes, it's so much easier to love people when they're in front of you. It is. Um, and so what would you say is the um, the biggest gift of this um, this brave new world that we live in? And I would say from listening to you, it sounds like you used to play at volume, like, medium loud, and now you're, like, cranked all the way up and having a fucking block party. I am. Um, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I, I will tell you that I um, feel one of the biggest gifts from, from this for me is I've always tried to find and understand my purpose, and I feel like it adjusts all the time. But... Like I said, I I noticed where my energy was right now, and I'm listening. And I know that I don't know exactly what my role in the story is, but I'm going to keep showing up in that space and and allow myself to be used and my gifts to be used in the best way possible. Um, And so, yeah, I am speaking out. I am showing up. Um, you know, civically and in, in yoga and in my parenting. And, and honestly, I think that is one of the biggest gifts, too, is we've had so many conversations um, as a family over this last year, starting with the election. And a lot of my friends did not have these conversations. And, um, it, you know, it was a conversation that my husband and I had of, like, how much are we going to talk about here? And uh, we really tried to you know, manage it based upon uh, the developmental ages of our children and just who they are and who we are as a family. But it's brought up the opportunity to really discuss our values and um, to for me to really realize that my activism is certainly, you know, it's social. It's on social media. It's uh, with my feet on the ground. Um, it's with my contributions financially. It's with um, more so, though, the, around our kitchen table the conversations that we have here. I want to encourage and we want to encourage our children to be able to reason through conversations, to be able to debate, to realize that we can have different different outlooks, maybe even different values with different people, but still love them. 
but that they, mm -hmm. if they're going to have a conversation and debate, that they have to have reasoning behind it. I've had my kids come home and say something about uh, our current president <laughs> and, uh, and that hasn't been very kind, but they don't have any reasoning behind it. And I will stop them in their tracks and say, why do you say that? Give me a reason or don't say it. If you want to have a conversation, let's go research that. Let's figure it out. But don't just say something just because you kind of want to parrot it or want to join the team or join the club that's going to bash somebody. I want you to have reasons. Let's talk about what, what we're going to do as a family. How are we going to act instead of just like, I don't like somebody and I'm not even going to tell you why. So it's given us an opportunity to really work through with them who we are, and they might have different, you know, they understand our family values. In the long run, they might have different values as an individual, um, and that's up to them. But the thing is, I hope that they'll be able to be committed to those values, to reason with them, and to be able to recognize that, um, you know, in, in love we can still come together and uh, reasonably talk about those things so we can work towards a better country and I don't want them to live in fear and I think that's where they were on November 9th and it's probably where I was too but moving forward now we move forward in the idea that we are part of this long arc of history and we don't know how we are part of it we don't know exactly what role we're taking or what, what role we're playing but we know that we have to show up fully because it's our obligation to do so Absolutely. Um, and speaking of showing up fully, what would you say are the the simple daily actions that make all the difference to your full humanity? Um, so, so showing up as a full, well, complete human instead of a sort of yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is challenging. So let's see. What are the simple daily actions? Well, for me, it's definitely like we talked about. Um, you know, showing up in gratitude every morning before I reach for the phone. And I, it's sad that that's even part of it is the reaching for the phone, but it, it is part of the reality. Um, so mm -hmm. showing up in gratitude before I connect, um, loving my family. You know, they if I get to do those gratitude moments, uh, normally somebody's climbing into bed with me, so I'm still trying to, to get through the three before they climb into bed. Um, really spending quality time with my kids. Um, and my husband, and allowing um, allowing myself to not be perfect. Uh, it's challenging being a yoga teacher and a mom, <laughs> because when I'm out yelling at the kids, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, <laughs> what's oh, she doing?" So, uh, yeah. uh -huh. allowing myself to not—I'm not perfect in any way, uh, and that's okay. I just keep doing my best, and then I think, hopefully, modeling that for the kids too. Um, another thing is, uh, for me, is finding the beauty in things, which, you know, my photography and the yoga for me really uh, try to do, too. I, I listen to tons of music. I'm constantly creating playlists for yoga, which is helpful for me. But, but learning about new uh, musicians and, and listening to songs that, you know, really connect with my energy. Um, also, reading poetry. Over the year um, that I was, you know, going through my cancer journey, I, I read a lot of, of poetry. And I honestly, prior to that, hadn't done a whole lot of that. And so that was something that was really um, opening for me because it allowed me to um, kind of be able to articulate better um, the beauty and the challenges, I think. And 
Um, another thing is uh, listening to podcasts and, uh, and reading. One of the uh, podcasts that I listened to before everything happened and continue to listen to um, is On Being um, by mm-hmm. Krista Tippett. And it's funny, I, I was interviewed a, a while back about, you know, who were the people that um, really helped to support me uh, through my cancer journey. And I mentioned, you know, all of very close friends and family and my husband and, and my doctors, and they were all amazing. And then I, I was almost laughing <laughs> in apology. and like, can I have to say one more? And I said, it's Krista Tippett. <laughs> because uh, listening to her podcast, have truly uh, helped me along my journey, whether it was um, just, you know, the ability to have conversations with people who have different um, mindsets than me or different um, ways of looking at the world spiritually. Uh, one of the particular people um, had Bruce Kramer. He had, he had talked about his battle with ALS and um, how he saw it as a gift. That particular one, you know, stayed with me. And so I looked to podcasts like Krista's um, for inspiration and for healing and to find, to kind of step out of myself and see the world through different people's eyes. And she has such a great way of uh, asking good questions that really make me think. So I I listen to her regularly. And then um, the other thing is just, you know, I – Try to do one thing every day that I feel engaged um, with civically, um, whether it's making a call to my congressman or a senator, um, you know, about something that's happening. And I found that I didn't realize how um, how much we can have an impact um, in big ways from little actions. So that's felt it's made me feel really good because I know I'm able to engage more um, from the pulpit of my phone. Um, and, and what a great opportunity to do that. Um, and then just honestly to have fun. I mean, we still have to have time to have a good time, to meet up with people for coffee, to not talk about all of this stuff too, so that way we can clear some space in our brains and our hearts, so that way there's still room to then move forward in all of those right actions. Yes, because joy is an act of resistance. Um, it wants you yes, to be miserable. It is. And- Trump is the most miserable of all. So, I know, um, I know. And actually, that's one other thing is that there's a, the Book of Joy, um, which is from the Dalai Lama and um, the Reverend uh, Desmond Tutu. Absolutely incredible book, and it has helped articulate for me so many of the things that I um, had in my mind um, throughout my journey. Of, of A lot of it is gratitude and reframing and being able to, being able to find the purpose in things, even when they are seemingly dark and terrible, there's always something to gain in that moment. Yes. Uh, I have both of those books on my nightstand right now, The Book of Joy and The Tip of Becoming Wise. So yes. I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, are there any other websites, humans, or media streams that are like, please share um, that they just inspire you the most as uh, as the days roll on. No, um, probably those would be it for the inspiration. Um, you know, the, I'm spending so much time now. Uh, actually, one other thing from Krista Tippett um, is her Civil Conversations Project, um, which is encouraging people to get in front of people again and having uh, 
opportunity to discuss challenging topics in a structured way. Um, and actually, I'm, I would, I'm trying to get a group together locally um, so we can have these types of conversations that are not partisan, but hopefully face-to-face and really trying to find a way to reweave that fabric um, locally. Um, and then for me, it's not necessarily inspirational um, streams, but honestly, just real news. <laughs> um, you know, I'm doing a lot of reading of the New York Times, the Washington Post. Uh, Dan Rather has been a great voice of uh, reason and I think a, a signpost of someone who has years of wisdom um, of, of watching and understanding how things connect. And um, it's been very helpful for me to have um, somebody out there like that. Yes, I've been surprised by how um, how much I love Dan Rather, and I never did before. Me too. <laughs> you go, Dan Rather. You go and you say those things. But you are old and you know. <laughs> exactly. Him and Ro- Robert Reich as well has been a very informative person for me to listen to as well. Yeah, when you get the elders fired up, you have gotten some, you have some shit to worry about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I can remember back in uh, when I was I actually majored in history and I was at Long Beach State and one of my professors at the time it was in a political science class. He was all fired up and we were not. <laughs> it was what probably, I don't know, the very late 90s. I'm aging myself now, but uh, maybe, or, yeah, I think late 90s. And everybody was pretty complacent because we were all pretty good, right? And he was telling us about uh, protests that had gone on during, I think it was Vietnam, and he was on campus as a student at that time. And he was saying that, you know, when, you, know you guys are going to get fired up, and I know it's coming, and all these things. And I remember looking at him going, I have no idea what you're talking about. We're good, you know? And I look back now, and I see that uh, he was talking about what's happening now. And and I can remember back to that moment being prepared for, like, I can't imagine us having any need to step out and speak out. And um, it is those people, like Robert Reich, Dan Rather, my professor, who have wisdom and who we can draw upon and be inspired by. And I think that's exciting. Yes. Uh, I remember being jealous of the people who got to do a protest in the 60s because they had shit to worry about. and. Now I am maybe Me not so too. jealous, but, um, but we <laughs> we have our 60s moment. <laughs> yeah, you know, totally. In fact, when I was at the Women's March, one of the things I thought about was, uh, you know, that I've never done this before. I've never marched. I've never had a need to march. There are the uh, things of, like, what size sign should I have? You know, should I put a handle on it? I mean, what are what are we going to do? Are we going to – all the little, you know, little things. And realizing that I had the privilege for all those years to not have, not have needed to step out and march, or at least not have noticed that I should have been doing so. And really, um, you know, like it's, it's a very eye-opening moment to kind of remove um, the shades and look around and go, oh, okay, this is, this is the moment. This is our history is right now, and we need to step out in it and show who we are. Yes, um, to be on the right side of history is uh, is no easy task, but I think we can do it. I think so too. And you, lady, where do we um, 
where do the lovely humans listening find you when they have inevitably inevitably fallen in love with you? Uh, where do they get more of the Natalie Moser? Thank you, Kristen. Well, they can find me sometimes um, on my yoga website and my blog there, which is uh, com backslash blog. And I don't write there all the time, but I hope to be adding more there. And I am adding some items on Medium as well um, for under Natalie Mosier. And I intend to be writing actually a book as well, kind of on my cancer experience and, um, you know, perhaps just on how we can step forward in times of challenge and um, find, find the beauty and opportunity in those moments. So look out for something in the near future from that as well. Awesome. And then any projects we should know about? Um, I want to know more about your your librarians group of yes and wonders. Yes. So um, some of these things are still uh, in in the hopper, but um, one of the things that we're looking to to do is I noticed a couple of people um, in my groups on Facebook that I I'm friends with as well who were really upset by everything. And, and one thing that I realized is that I really want to make sure if we are in times of challenge and despair, what can we do to move forward from that that is to take action. So um, in knowing that for me one of my primary values is, uh, is educating and moving forward from, um, with, with valid information and also from a, a place of hopefully strong parenting, um, I was trying to think how, how are people talking to their kids right now? Um, and can we help them in that conversation through the use of, you know, books and literature? And I have some friends who are librarians, and so I reached out to them and kind of put together an idea for a project where we were curating um, books that, you know, have to do with particular subjects like social justice, um, the environment, science, uh, women in these things, uh, equality, all of these different um, in very important categories. They are currently working on categorizing books like this, annotizing them, and we're working to create a website, ultimately um, probably a little book club, and uh, notes on how parents or what parents can talk about with their kids um, with these books and how we can develop a conversation with our children um, so that way they are truly committed to um, you know, all these subjects and not just to repeating what we have to say about them. Um, so that's one of the big things, and we're calling it Still We Rise. And so look for that eventually. And I'm also hoping with that to develop other things from it, possibly local community groups, where we can really rise up together in person as well, trying to um, find all that connects us and talk about the things that do not. Beautiful. I like all of those things very much. Um, I wanted to close. Uh, I wanted to close our time together with a poem, if that's okay. Uh, but first, I would love that. Are there any questions? Good. Are there any questions that you wish I had asked uh, but didn't? Like, uh, you need to shut up. Mm -hmm. I walked away from my computer because my phone was ringing. <laughs> Let me see if I have anything else on here. Um, I I think that that is probably pretty good. Let's see. 
I think that's probably good. Cool. Then I must admit that I was um, I was doing my Krista Tippett duty and um, stopping Aww. the blog to uh, make sure that I had covered some shit. And I, I happened across this poem on your blog, um, The Fourth Sign of mm. the Zodiac, Part 3 by Mary Oliver. So My favorite. Yes. I, and so here it is. Mary Oliver, uh, who's on being, um, is the very best. Mm-hmm. Her interview there. Um, I know you never intended to be in this world, but you're in it all the same. So why not get started immediately? I mean belonging to it. There is so much to admire, to weep over, and to write music or poems about. Bless the feet that take you to and fro. Bless the eyes and the listening ears. Bless the tongue, the marvel of taste. Bless touching. You could live a hundred years, it's happened, or not. I am speaking from the fortunate platform of many years, none of which, I think, I ever wasted. Do you need a prod? Do you need a little darkness to get you going? Let us be as urgent as a knife, then, and remind you of Keats, so single of purpose and thinking, for a while, he had a lifetime. Mm. Beautiful. As are you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Natalie Moser, everyone. Um, she's a wonder. Google the shit out of her. Love upon her. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of That's What She Said. Thank you, Kristen. You're so very welcome. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.